The Beaux-Arts Photography Podcast with Alan and Natalie Brio. Let's talk a little bit about judging art and the challenges that are involved with it. First of all, do you agree that art can be judged or do you not? I don't think art should be judged. Why not? So, and that's speaking from having students <laughs> and teaching art. <laughs> What happened? <laughs> No, I, I think I was a judge once, you know. But, um, you know, the other judges that were in my <laughs> in my uh, little... Uh, panel? Yeah, panel. Uh, didn't agree <laughs> with, with uh, my opinions. And so, you know, after a while, I just kind of quit and just let them take over, <laughs> you know, because... Uh, You know, the, the people that were on my panel actually were not qualified uh, art, you know, art critics or critiques or art teachers or, you know, it was just people from the general public here or, you know, from Northern Arizona mm -hmm. University as a guest judge. And, um, you know, I mean, I think in the beginning I was fighting them tooth and nail about, you know. <laughs> what was good, what was bad. What yeah. was good, what was bad. You know, well, this is a, an original, this is an original piece of artwork created by this student. You know, look how expressive it is and all of that. And, you know, and after a while it just exhausts you, you know. And I did it once and we'll never do it again. Yeah. So the judges, let's say qualifications are important. They are very important. And, you know, the school district always wanted to do this at the end of the year, have this huge, you know, show, you know, the best of each school. And, you know, I submitted my students' work because as the art teacher, I was, you know, obligated to do these things uh, in my job description, I guess. <laughs> But I always told my students that, you know, if they didn't win a ribbon, best of show, first or second place, that that didn't mean anything whatsoever. That is, we couldn't have good work and not win an award. That's exactly yeah. right. Because I told them that, you know, not all of the judges were qualified. <laughs> Which is an interesting thing, because why have a contest if not the best one wins? Right. <laughs> right. I know. You know, it's interesting because when you compare judging art to judging other types of competition, you find some amazing differences, you know, because the, the premise behind having an art competition is that somebody's good and somebody's better, right? And somebody's not so good. That is, there is a ranking, right? There is a first, a second, and a third. And there is a award, and you get first of show or second of show and so on, right? When you look at other endeavors, human endeavors that involve competition, what you find out is that art is really an oddball in it. Because what other endeavors have a competition, right? Well, for example, sports, right? Sports have competitions. Right. You know, there's a first, a second, and a third. In running, who's first? The one that crosses the finish line the first. It's pretty damn obvious. And if we don't agree, well, we have a photo finish. And then we are going to agree because one guy is ahead of the other, right? In, you know, you look at high jump, well, the winner is the one that jumps the higher, the long jump, the one that jumps the fastest, right? Or the, the farthest, the furthest, right? Um, you look at the 100 meter dash, the one that runs the fastest, right? You know, there's always a measurable quantity, either distance or weight or height for, you know, whatever number or measure we use. Right. But in art, there is no measurable quantity. No. Oh, this one has 10 points. 10 points of what? 
10 points of talent, technique, a mix of both. On what scale? On a scale of 20, of 10, of 100? Right. You know, not only do we not have a quantity, we don't have a scale. And if we have a scale, we're not sure what the percentage is. You know, and then some judges have an opinion more than they have you know, anything else, right? right? It's, in other words, they are not objective. Right. That is, when there is actual judging going on, the, the, most of the judging is subjective instead of objective. Right? Oh, yeah. And as a teacher, you have to be there. I mean, if you're going to participate in a show like this, you have to be there at all the time, you know, to oversee everything because I was not there <laughs> once. And they put a bunch of them aside, And right? they put a yeah. bunch of them aside. And what happened was... A professor from NAU, from Northern Arizona University, the university that I graduated from, from the art department. He, I think he was also the chair. He may have been the chair of the department. What happened is he had overheard this lady say to another lady that she was not going to hang my students' work because it was not art. <laughs> yeah. And he uh, went over there and he said, whole oh, wait a minute here. And he said, this is some of the best artwork in this whole show. What do you mean you're not going to show it? And the reason why she didn't consider it artwork is because they were gesture drawings of hands. I had my students do a whole study of hands because I was teaching them how to draw the body. And so they drew their hands holding different objects in, in, you know, different positions. And they were very gestural and they had a lot of beautiful sketching lines, you know. There was no erasing because they weren't allowed to erase. And, um, and this professor said to, you know, these two ladies, he said, you know, this is some of the best artwork I've seen. I am trying to teach my college students to do what she is getting her students to do in 7th and 8th grade. And you're taking it out of the show. And yeah, yeah. you're not going to hang it up. Right. So you're not. <laughs> you know? yeah. but, but that throws in another very interesting thing because can you imagine an athletic meeting, right, where there is uh, people, let's say, running and people jumping and, and doing all the athletic thing. And uh, we are judging one thing, let's say the long jump, and one guy says, we got to throw out these three athletes because what they are doing is not long jump. I mean, it, it's unthinkable because in those kind of disciplines, there is a definition of what is long jump or what is, you know, 100-meter dash or the high jump or whatever, right? Right. They have a definition. They know what it is. If they are not sure, they can look it up in a book. Right. You know, the long jump is you run so far, you put your foot on a plank and you jump as far as possible in a pit of sand and then we measure wherever the, your feet end up, for example. Right. But then in art, we don't have that because have you seen a definition of art? I mean, I'm yet to yeah. find one, right? There's none. There's well, one million of them, but there is not one that actually tends to more out more I than guess another. what they were you know, looking at is that these are just, you know, drawings of yeah. hands. And so therefore, this is not art. <laughs> right, right. But, but what I'm saying is that I completely understand where we come from, right. although I don't agree. Right. But what I'm saying is that in the middle of judging the contest, right. we are thrown into an existentialist dilemma as to one of the teachers raising their hand and saying, I've got a question, what is art? It's like at the long jump, one guy stands up and says, I'm sorry, but what is the long jump? You know, and, and everybody's like, oh, my God, that's true. What is art? What is the long jump? And all of a sudden, there's no more meeting. There's a discussion on the philosophy of art. Right. That's one of the problems. I mean, that shouldn't happen, right? Yeah, I think that was the last show. We should have a definition. I, you know? I yeah, right. It's absurd. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's ridiculous. You know? I think after that, I just decided that I wouldn't enter my students' work anymore. Because there is too many personal 
and non-objective values coming into play. Mm-hmm. I don't like it because they're hands. Oh, okay. Therefore, it's not art. I had a, a teacher email me because they wanted me to judge an, a photography show. And I couldn't do it because it doesn't fit in my schedule. And he, sa- and I meant, he said uh, that one of the reasons why he wanted somebody from the outside, this is uh, in a small town uh, far from where we are, is that if he has local photographers, there's too much room for what he calls cryonism, which means favoring you know, your best friend, right? Or sure. favoring people that you know. Sure. And I emailed him back. I said, doesn't that show the difficulty of judging art and the fact that we don't have any measurable value and so we rely on personal opinions and on, you know, totally unfounded, you know, ideas? And he said, yes. And he gave me another example. He said, you know, we had a, a judge one day that drove a long ways through the rain to come to the judging, to the show. And because he had gone through so much rain, he did not even want to look at any photograph that had water in it. <laughs> because his experience for the last couple of he hours. He had it with water. <laughs> he had it with water. And so if you had water in your photos, that was it. You were out immediately, regardless of how good or bad the photo was. So, you know, you had a beautiful waterfall. Sorry, can't do. You know, nothing with water will win this year. Well, that's a personal opinion. And it's totally subjective. And it's not fair. Right. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, again, going back to the long term, if you wear blue shoes, sorry, you're not going to win. Why? Because, you know, I had a girlfriend who wore blue shoes and we broke up and I'm really pissed (laughs) off at people that have blue shoes. Right. I mean, it's it's at that level of being ridiculous. It shows to me the impossibility of judging art. Oh, it's it's very difficult. I know that also when I exhibited my students work, I had to cover up their names because if I didn't want the teachers Mm-hmm. You know, because if for some reason a teacher didn't like that particular student, they weren't going to vote on their piece of work. You yeah, know? because if the student had done a nasty drawing in the bathroom, they were out, regardless or, of the quality of their work. Or, you know, you know the or misbehaved or been in detention. in or, their class or whatever, they yeah. would never vote for that piece right. of artwork. So I never yeah. had their names, you know, yeah. uh, shown in the art uh, when I exhibit it. But, you know, that's that would be like having a... Somebody who never photographs the sky, <laughs> judging landscapes that has sky in every single image. Well, that's another problem of judging <laughs> photographs. See, if you go back to my comparison with sports, in sports, you know, you have disciplines, long jump, the 110 meter hurdles, you know, the 100 meter dash, the 5,000 meter steeples, you know, I mean, you name it, there is disciplines. And that's why, you know, a guy that's designed to run long distances is not going to compete with a guy that's aimed at running very short distances, but not so in art. We're going to throw in, you know, landscapes and portraits and pets and products and weddings all at once. And then I'm supposed to like or dislike or judge one or the other. How can I? My specialty is landscapes. Right. I don't know the first thing with weddings. And, to, you know, I may not care. Right. You know, how would portrait? How am I supposed to judge artificial lighting? That's not my specialty. Or underwater lighting. Yeah, or underwater photography. Astrophotography. I, mean, you know, how I like you know? this fish. You know, it's really pretty. That's the most common fish you've ever seen. So, therefore, that photograph has no value. Well, I mean, we're going to have a problem. Right. You know? Right. Um, that's the problem. of You really have to know what you're talking about. I mean, how would you like to be the judge for a boxing match if you don't understand boxing? Right. You know, right. No, I understand. Because, you know, the one time that I was a judge, 
I only judge two-dimensional artwork, drawing and painting. I do not judge jewelry. Do you think I could judge Navajo rug weaving? <laughs> what do yeah. I know about Navajo or rug pottery, weaving? Right? Yeah. Or pottery. I didn't judge yeah. pottery. Um, you know, sculpture. Yeah. I didn't judge you're sculpture not a weaver, or you're ceramics. Not a pottery, or, yeah. <laughs> you know, I only, the one time that I did it, I only judged what I knew. Right. Well, you've got to judge what you know. I mean, I, I like the, the metaphor with boxing because when you look at a boxing match, you, you as the audience, unless you really know how judging is done, don't look at it the way the judges look at it, provided that the judges are fair, because boxing, there is room for uh, non-objective judging. But the way you look at it as an audience is you, you tend to look for how many times one boxer goes down, for example? How many times they are knocked out? Well, be, or knocked down. Knocked out is final, but knocked down is temporary. If a boxer is knocked down, in terms of judging, that's one point off. So if he's knocked down three times, that's three point off over the course of one boxing match. That would tend, for most people, including myself, to mean that the person has lost. Not so. Yes. Not so, because we count the number of punchers that are sent and connect, and the kind of punchers. The number and the kind. And if the other guy has, that has been knocked down three times has thrown twice as many punches as the other guy, very significant punches, he may very well be the winner. Yes. Even though he did Even not knock the other one out. As the audience were watching this unfold and weren't thinking that this guy is not the winner. We've seen boxing matches where the guy that looks bloody as hell wins. <laughs> Yes. Why does he win? Well, it could be that the, the judges were paid off, but if they were not, which I don't think they are, it means that he was a better boxer, even though, you know, he looked like trash at the end of the boxing match, you know. Uh, that's why, you know, in boxing, you're better off knocking out the other guy for good, because <laughs> that's no contest. He can't get up, and he's wondering where his mama is, and you're safe, but you won. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but otherwise you don't have any guarantees. But, but, you know, that's because we don't look at it the same way as the audience. But in art, I think everybody looks at it the same way. Do I like it? Mm -hmm. That's not fair. Right. You know, I mean, if somebody comes to me and says, can you review my work? I'm not asking myself, do I like it? I review a lot of work that I don't like. But that doesn't prevent me from pointing to what works in the work and what can be improved in the work, which is what it's all about. Yes, you know? I agree. I mean, you know, what do I like? I like what I do. You know, I mean, I'm totally biased. That's what I like. But when I review work, it's not about what I like or not. It's about whether there is technical issues or composition issues or expressive issues or not, mm -hmm. you know. And so for me, you know, instead of judging artwork in terms of giving a prize to the first, the second, the third, you know, I'm, I'm more interested and I find it much more useful for the photographer to go into what level of achievement does the work get to? Right. You know? That is, is it, for example, of book publishing quality? You know, that's an interesting concept, you know, because a publisher can't just publish, a, a, a publisher that is not paid, right? A right. publisher that you, you know, get royalties from that pays you, right? It's completely different if you self-publish. They don't take anything as long as you pay them. But a, a publisher that accepts you on the basis that they're going to pay you, you're not going to pay them, right? Is going to publish things only that has a publishable quality. The work has to be technically flawless. Right. You know, exhibit the, quality. Yeah. Is this know, work of looking at museum shows or gallery shows? Is this right. work of exhibition quality? Right. In other words, you know, would you, as an audience, looking for work to decorate your home, for example, buy this work at the price that it's offered to put over your mantle, mm -hmm. or would you look at it and say, "Ah, uh -uh, not quite there yet, buddy." 
I mean, we had a workshop in which one lady, we were at White Sands, photographing the White Sands, and one lady was photographing a yaka surrounded by sand, and there was footprints all over the sand because we had walked around that particular yaka. And she did not seem to notice or mind. So I went to her, it was one of the participants, and I said, do you mind that your photograph will have one zillion footprints in it? I mean, all over, and that it's damaging the patterns of the sand. I said, because personally, I would not photograph this yaka. And she looked at me and she said, oh, I did not pay attention to that, but it doesn't bother me. And I said, well, maybe it doesn't bother you now in your viewfinder because it's looking really small. Yeah, and she may not have even seen it in that small viewfinder. I don't think she had really paid attention to it. Right. But let's say that you print this 30 by 40 and you put it over your mantle. How would you feel about it? Having a photograph of a yaka with sand and lots of footprints. Do you want to see other people's footprints in your photographs that have no pattern, right? Because, you know, we can imagine a kind of photograph with footprints that work in a different specific direction through the dunes. That's intentional or along the beach. Well, it's intentional, but also it points to a message, which is maybe my journey through the dune or my path towards the beach. Right, exactly. Um, It might point to pleasant memories of walking in the dunes or walking on the beach. Uh, But that was not the case. That was just a big mess. And, And she started thinking about it and she started considering it in the context of a real situation. That is, I'm really going to have it over my mantle. It's really going to be 30 by 40. And do I want this or not? And, and I think at that point she realized that she did not want that. No. And she started being very, very cautious as to, you know, the footprints, which we all have to, to do, you know. Right. Because I've never been able to set a photo that had ugly footprints in it. <laughs> and I have never tried, you know. But I think, you know, logic dictates that people don't want strangers' footprints in what they are going to put in their, on their wall, you know. Right. But if there is a footprint, it has to have a purpose. Right. You know? No, I agree. I mean, you know, the value of the footprint on the moon is that it was the first one. <laughs> and before that, there was no footprint, right? right? That's why it's photographed. But otherwise, you know, we know all of us that having a footprint out in the dunes is no big deal. <laughs> you know, there's nothing special about it. You know? Well, I think that's the importance of... Uh Using the viewfinders that I give on the workshops as yeah. my gift viewfinders to everybody. <laughs> right. One of the easiest, simplest, yeah. and least expensive tools you can ever find. And at the same time, one of the most useful and important tools. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I, my students always had them when yeah. we were drawing and painting. And know. we use it. Yeah. So they were always at the table. But all this to say that judging art is very difficult, especially when you start to put a ranking that is a winner and a loser and somewhere in between, you know. But if you think of it in terms of levels of achievement, then you have a measurable quantity that you can use. Right. And that measurable quantity is, is, are there any technical issues? You know, mm-hmm. how is the print quality? You know, do you have weird colors? Right. Were you able to match your monitor or not? I mean, that's, for most people, it's a giant hurdle. I mean, I can't tell you how often I hear people tell me, what I see on my print is not what I see on my monitor. Well, you know, there is a solution to that, and that is right. to, to learn how to match what you see on your print to what you see on your monitor. But definitely, if you're not able to achieve it, then that is something that can be counted off in right. terms of judging, in terms of the quality of the print. Right. Because, you know, can you imagine a painter that has a certain color on their brush, you put it on the canvas and it turns into a different color? That's a big problem. <laughs> it's hard for a painter to have that happen because what you see is what you get right. you know, in painting. If you have red on your brush and you put it on a canvas, it's going to be red on the canvas. But can you imagine if that was not the case? You can never know what you're going to do. You exactly. can, you're, you're always going to tell people, well, I know it looks like that, but 
you know, which is what we hear a lot in photography. I know it looks like that bad on my screen. And you know what? That may very well be. I totally believe you. But all I have is what's in front of me. Right. You know, and so I'm stuck with that and I have to work with what you give me, you know. So that's one measurable quantity. I mean, if the composition is horrendous, you know, and you have uh, fuzzy, blurry things where they should be sharp or you have uh, dust in the sky. Some photographers don't dust very images, you know, or you have uh, obvious flaws, you know, about the exposure, you know, clipped out areas where they shouldn't be clipped, you know. Or you have, uh, you know, compositions that haven't been cropped properly, mm -hmm. you know, images that haven't been optimized properly, you right. know. All of these technical things can pretty reliably be outlined as being defects. Right. It's not a matter of opinion. Right. You, and if it's a matter of opinion, you can ask the photographer, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you want this or not? Did you want the footprints in the photo or is this an accident? And they'll usually tell you honestly what they wanted. And, and to me, that seems to be a whole lot more useful to the photographer than to say you won an award. Oh, I agree. You know? I agree. Or you didn't. Right. Because the one who wins thinks they're flawless. The one who loses thinks they're worthless. Yeah. And, and the other problem with shows and judging is that how do you know how good you are? Because eventually the judging is in the context of whoever applied for that particular show, right? Right. You know, if, if you continue with sports, let's say you win all the local meets, you go to the national ones, you win, then you go to the world meets, and then you go to the Olympics. And, and eventually if you win them all, you know you're the best in the world. But not so in art. You're never, there's no world art competition, Right. How do you know you're the very best? How do you know how good you really are? I mean, the fact that you win in a particular context doesn't mean that you're very good. It means you're the best of the bunch. Right. But it all depends how good the others are. Right. If they're all horrendous, you're just maybe just a slightly better photographer, and that doesn't mean you're very good. You have no reliable way of knowing how good you truly are. But with my approach, which is an evaluation of where your work is in terms of publishable quality or exhibit quality or all of that, you have a reliable way of knowing because, you know, I'm not comparing you to anybody. I'm comparing you to a certain level uh, of quality, you know, regardless of, of what other people right. do, regardless of who else is in the room. And I think um, the more you do art and the better that you get, you know where you're at. I, re I read a book about Georgia O'Keeffe, who uh, she went back to New York and they would have this huge, you know, watercolor competition. And she looked at what her other colleagues were doing and this is when she, I believe, had moved to New Mexico, but she had gone back there. And what she saw in their artwork is that they, since they had left school, that they hadn't really grown, whereas her work was really starting to change. But she was also she saying that their school. work was all the rage and nobody cared about hers. Yes. So what she did with this watercolor competition, she said, well, I'm going to submit one mm. and I'm going to win it. And, and she, she did. No, did she? She yeah. did win it. And then she ripped it up, threw mm. it away, mm. and went back to New Mexico and mm. continued doing with what right. she was doing. But what I found out personally, when I started doing photography seriously, I entered all sorts of contests. And I won all sorts of prizes and awards. And sometimes I would be first, sometimes I'd be second or third, you know. It never got me anywhere. So I had these awards. And then what? You know, it makes you feel good. But then it's not, you can't make a career out of it. No. You know, because you don't have an audience. You see, a judge is not an audience. A judge is a judge. 
Well, I know a lot of times in the, in the Santa Fe Art District for the Native American art, you'll have them sell a piece of artwork, whether it's a Kachina sculpture, and they'll right. have best of show of 2007. Right. But that's different. Yeah. And they'll they'll put a high price, a higher price on it because it won the best but of I show. But I haven't seen that match outside of the Native American art. Yes, thing. I agree. You know, that you find that in the Native American art thing, and you think it helps them. But it doesn't quite exist uh, in photography, for example. Right. I, I don't see that a photographer is going to win an award and have a higher selling potential for their work. I think they designed that for the Native American because they wanted to help commerce. They wanted to help them make, make a living out of their work. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, even at art shows, having the best of show doesn't guarantee that you're going to sell your work. It, right. You get recognition, but the work isn't more collectible. You know, there is no perceived value, you know, attached to it. But with the Native American community, there is. Right. I know yeah. some art shows will have like a best of show where mm -hmm. all the artists right. that are participating in that show will, you know, vote on, you know, a piece. But, but it opens the door for cronyism as well. It you does. Know, how it can does. you ignore an artist that has done the show for 10 years and given you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars? Right. You know, you don't want to upset anybody. Right. <laughs> right. Why would you give your award to the newcomer that you've never seen whose work is fantastic, but who has given you just a few hundred dollars and may never come back if you give them an award? I mean, why not reward the faithful artist? Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case, but what I'm saying is I have no evidence it's not the case. Mm -hmm. Because again, what do you go with? The fact that you don't like water because you drove through the rain for two hours? You know. So you have to be very, very suspicious about that. I mean, again, I've seen a lot of people get uh, you know, awards at shows for work that personally I found not so interesting or that just technically excellent but devoid of meaning of, or you know, it has no message to it, you know. You know, you have to be very careful. I mean, I've had students contact me and say, you know, my work has won all these awards. What do you think? And really, I did not think much of it. And if I should, if I, if I had asked me, did my work, can my work win awards? I would have told them, you know, probably not. <laughs> you know, but because somebody liked it and gave it an award, they think the world of it, you know. It can be very misleading. Right. You know, right. that's why I go back to my evaluation. My, my way of looking at it is evaluate your work in terms of the overall, the global quality that is required at certain levels, you know, museum level, gallery level, book level. Not to say that one is higher than another, but that they are just different requirements. And, and ask yourself or ask somebody that knows whether you meet that requirement or whether you need to continue working and, and what you need to do to meet that requirement. Right. Because that's a pretty logical thing. You know, that's pretty clear. And not everybody is able to, to see that, you know. I mean, you want to be published in a particular book? Pick up that book uh, that, that's the one that you'd like to be in, cut off your photo, you know, trim it to the size of the printed page and put it next to a photo that you like and see if it matches. Right. And if it matches, then you're probably good enough to be published in that book. And if it doesn't, you need to continue working. I mean, we don't do this test right. because we're afraid of it. Very often we think, you know, I'm just going to send it to the editor and the editor is going to give me the answer. I don't have to find the answer by myself. What is the editor going to do? They're going to do exactly that. They're going to compare your submission to the ones they have that they published previously and ask themselves whether it's at the same level. Right. <laughs> you can do the test yourself. It's just, you know, you all have the answer by yourself, you know, faster. But there is no magic. You know, they're not going to tell you that your work is good enough to be published if it's not. 
because they can't take the chance of publishing work that's not at the level of quality that they require because if they do, they are going to hurt themselves with their audience. Their audience is going to be upset. Their audience is going to start writing letters to the editor to the effect that the work in the magazine is going down the drain. Right. You know? And the same with a museum, the same with a gallery. They have to have work that's of equal caliber. That doesn't mean some of it cannot be a little better than others or, or different. But that means nothing can fall below a certain threshold. Exactly. You know, they have to. Right. I think for... Uh my students, for them, it wasn't so much the ribbon as it was selling the piece of artwork. Right. And the Herd Museum would sell their artwork. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, getting cold, hard cash right. for that <laughs> drawing or painting that they did, that was, you know, that was... That was meaningful to them because yes. they're destitute. See, uh, for me, selling my work when I was their age, which is, what, 15 or, or something like that. 12, 13, and 14. You know, if I had sold my work at the age of 15, the money would have meant very little because I had money. I didn't, I was not destitute and I was not greedy, so I wasn't doing it for that. But, and I think, you know, that's definitely one of the motivations for them that they, they are not very, you know, well off. So the, a little, any, any little bit helps, basically. But when you look at photographers who have good jobs, you know, people that study with us, that have enough money to do this without depriving themselves it still is a reward for people to buy their work oh definitely but the problem and and this is really the main central issue here is that because somebody buys your work does not mean that it's good and because somebody does not buy your work does not mean that it's bad it means that somebody liked your work and bought it even with flaws in it or it means that somebody did not want to buy your work even though they liked it Yes. I mean, we know from doing countless shows that some of the people that like the work the most, meaning my work, can't afford it. They couldn't afford it. They can't I afford know. it. They love it. They are totally honest. They, they'll come to you and say, I love your work. And they are not giving you a good rub. They are honest. This is a description of how they feel. That's an emotional response. But they don't have the thousands of dollars that, that it needs to buy it. So, you know, what I you, remember you one know? lady uh, when she walked up to one of your images and she started crying. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my. You know, and it's dramatic. I know. And it's she emotional. It. And, and she has no, nothing to no. She doesn't have the funds to buy it. Right. On the other hand, you have people that have a lot of money that can buy anything they want that buy it. And they're not even sure why. I've had customers buy my work and say, you know, I'm not sure if I like it or not. So I'll buy it and then I'll sort it out later. And what are you going <laughs> to literally and what are you going to tell them? You know, no, please don't. You know, don't do that. <laughs> Think about it carefully and then come back when you're sure. Of course, you're not. We run a business. You're like, you know, that's a very nice idea. You know, I wish most, more people would do that because what do you want to do? You want to make a sale, right? I mean, anybody in their normal mind would just look at them and say, and would that be cash or credit? I mean, you know, you just want to close the sale. It's a free country. They want to buy it and sort it out later. That's their God-given right, you know. But the fact is that they are not necessarily the ones that like it the most, okay? And so I go back to what I was saying. You know, I've sold work to people that were crazy about it, that I knew had flaws in it. It wasn't perfectly printed. It wasn't perfectly composed. It was what the best I could do at a particular time. And I, bought, I sold it. Does that mean the work was good? Well, it was as good as I could do it, but it could be improved. And at the same time, I've had people look at my work and not buy it, and yet they loved it. So I go back to what I was saying. Because you sell your work does not mean that it's good. 
or that it's as good as it can be. And because you don't sell your work, does not mean that it's bad. Right. It just means that you found an, a buying audience and maybe you found a non-buying audience. The question of whether it's good or bad cannot be decided on the basis of sales. Because, you know, we all know that work that's pretty darn bad can sell very well if it's marketed appropriately. On the other hand, we know that work that's pretty darn good is not going to sell at all if there's no marketing involved. Right. So you have to go, and I go back to my personal opinion, which is evaluate the work in the context of a particular market, right. the book world, the museum world, the gallery world. At a particular level, wherever you want to go, does my work fit that level? And there is an easy way to find that out. That is, put your work next to people that are already in that domain. Right. Or submit your work to these people and see if they accept it or not. Right. Provided you don't pay them. But also, does my work fit in home decor? You know, go to those uh, furniture stores and other exactly. places and yeah. compare your work with is their work. Is it as good as? Would yeah. your work look great in this store if we took off whatever they have and you put yours? People don't ask themselves that and then they're all depressed because their work doesn't sell. Well, if you're asking the wrong audience to buy the wrong product, nothing is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to match audience and product. Yeah. I mean, if you go to somebody that likes to buy Ferraris and you say, you know, I made a car in my garage. It's not that good, but uh, you might be interested. They probably won't be interested, <laughs> you know, because they don't care about homemade cars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. They want Italian-made cars. And, you know, you have to understand the audience. On the other hand, if you, if you have somebody that collects handmade cars and you say, you know, I have one I made in my garage. It's not very good. The, the person will probably look at you and say, you know what? None of them are very good, but I love them. Mm -hmm. It's exactly. your audience. You found your audience. <laughs> exactly. You know, that, how do you find your audience? You talk to people. They're all unique and they're all different. They're all di you know, none of them work very well. They're all quirky. Some of them fall apart, but I love them. And that's it. You found your audience. He's willing to buy your stuff the way it is. Right. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to slap a Ferrari badge on it. That's what he doesn't want, <laughs> you know. But you know, how do you find your audience? You talk honestly about what you do, and you you show what you do, and you don't pretend that it's any more or any less. There's an audience for everything, but you know the problem is not fooling yourself about who the audience is, you know, and and having realistic, uh, you know, ideas about who your audience is. Well, I really like your idea of the comparisons, comparing your work yeah. with. Uh yeah, open a book, other. put your photo next to the one in the book, same size, and see what you think. And it doesn't have to be a book either. I mean, buy yeah. another photographer's photograph or print and compare yeah. your printing yeah. with, the, you know, the master print. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. you know. I've done that. I have a collection of work, and I think every photographer should have a collection of work. I always say it. And the reason why I think every photographer should have a collection of original prints is because everything else is a reproduction. Everything that's not an original print is a reproduction. And by definition, a reproduction is of lower quality than the original. The web is of far lower quality than a print. Everybody now sees photographs on the web, and they make calls on it. Well... We know what happens to people that come to the gallery and, and look at the, the original prints. They yes. all say how much better they look than on the web. Oh, definitely. You know? yeah. And I always tell them, I say, well, I'm glad you said that because what would alarm me <laughs> is if you said the opposite. <laughs> if you said it looked it better, better on the web, yeah, it better look better <laughs> in reality than on the web. But a lot of people don't realize that some of them, and I know because there is such an increase in the number of people doing photography now, that there is a lot of photographers out there that have never seen an original print. Never. They've seen the web and sometimes they've bought a magazine and they've seen the magazine. 
but hardly ever, any of them has actually seen an original print and even fewer own an original print. And you have to see original prints and then you have to own original mm-hmm. prints because it's only through ownership that you can actually compare your work to them. Obviously, you're not going to go to a gallery and say, if you don't mind, I'm going to take this photo out of the frame and I'm going to compare it to mine. The gallery guy you say, are you crazy? They're going to call security, <laughs> right? <laughs> You can't do that. You, you have to own the print because once you own it, you can do whatever you want with it. You can you can take it out of the mount. You can put yours instead. I mean, you can do whatever you want. It's yours, you know. So this is uh, coming to an end on this discussion of print judging an audience. And if you have any questions about what we've been talking about today, let us know by emailing us at uh, Alan, A-L-A-I-N, at beautiful-landscape.com or go to our website, beautiful-landscape.com as it's pronounced and uh, you'll find my email there and you can uh, leave us a message and ask us uh, questions that you've had while you listen to that podcast. And where do we find these podcasts on the website? We find them under the heading podcast. All right. Uh, (laughs) Easy enough. (laughs) And will this be at one of the top ones? Yes. Since it's the most recent? This one will be at the top of the list until the next one. (laughs) Okay. And you can look for it for a good podcast are being heard. (laughs) (laughs) Not where good books are being sold, where good podcasts are being heard. So until next time, continue to take good photographs and stay in touch.